Good morning, YouTube family, or good afternoon, or good evening. So glad to have you guys coming on. Oh my gosh, you guys. I am having a really nice morning. But for some reason, no matter how much time I give myself, I need more time. <laughs> oh, I hope you understand that. Sorry, I'm trying to plug some things in here. My computer needed to be restarted. And... Okay, there we go. Power is in. Let me see if I can turn this a little bit for you guys so you can enjoy. I wonder if this will work. There we go. Hey, looks not terrible. Okay, well, today <laughs> we're going to be talking about delusions, you guys, because, well, first of all, I don't want you guys to be caught in a delusion, but narcissists definitely are delusional. They, they are not plugged into reality. They're unable to recognize the truth because there's a, a certain fantasy they want their life to be. They want to have this fantasy type of life. And so in order to do that, they have to keep the delusion going. So we're going to talk about a few of the delusions that they have and then make sure that you're not going through the same thing, that you're not holding on to those delusions. All right. So good morning. So I'm sorry that I'm an hour late. I was wondering if maybe this is a better time for people, but maybe it's not. So we'll see. We may go back to um, the 11 Eastern time or it might do noon. I'm not sure. All right, you guys. So today the topic is the narcissist delusions will crumble. And the point of this is that you don't want to be in a life that's going to crumble. You want to make sure that you don't get caught in that trap with the narcissists in your life, right? Chasing, I mean, it's good to have a dream, but you don't want to chase this dream into the grave, all right? You want to live in reality. You don't want to look back at your life and think, oh my gosh, all that time I was deluded in chasing something and I couldn't see the reality. Uh, one of the things that, you know, comes to mind is what is that? America's Got Talent or the other thing, uh... Forgot already what it's called, um, but where these people come on and they think that they can sing, but they sound horrible. But in their mind, they think they're the best singer ever. And then there's a rude awakening for some of them, which actually is good, right? Because then they can move on. They realize, oh, this is not the career I'm going to have. This is not the dream that's going to come true. But then there are a few who are like, I'm not going to let anybody tell me I can't sing. Like, okay, well, you can sing, but you're probably not going to be this incredible star. And, well, maybe their personality. I mean, there are those who can't sing, but then their personality takes them. But it turns out they can sing. They can sing to a certain extent, right, in order to keep it going. Anyway, the point of this is there are those who are caught in that delusion where no matter what people tell them, they won't see it. They, they refuse to acknowledge reality. And we don't want to be caught up in that. So let me make sure a few things are set up here, you guys. All right. So the first delusion that narcissists have that I want to talk about is the, their delusion of how attractive they are. This to me is almost comical, right? When I see it in reality shows, um, now a lot of the reality shows, they do have very gorgeous people on there right but there are people now and again that you'll see that you just kind of cringe because the amount of makeup they wear the amount of goop they put in their hair if it's a guy <laughs> the amount of time they stare at themselves in the mirror it's such a turnoff right it just makes you cringe when you see them but they think that they can't take their eyes off of themselves so that must be true for everybody else and I was watching a show recently, uh, a friend of mine turned me on to it and said, oh, you got to watch this. It was really good. And I was like, okay. And it was called, I think it's called The Ultimatum. So there are these couples that gave their significant others an ultimatum that they want to get married or they have to split up and go their separate ways. So they come together into, into the show where, um, I think it's Nick Lachey, yeah, and his wife, I forgot her name. Um, but they apparently had split up for some time and learned some things about themselves when they split up and actually got involved with one other person. Each of them did. 
and then learn from that experience, I think, how to become a better partner and also what they really want in a partner. So they came back together and it worked out for them so far, right? And I hope it does work out for them. So they're thinking to use this with these other couples and they bring them together. And for the first week, they're all getting to know each other because eventually they're going to pair off with somebody else's partner and live with them for three weeks. Now, they're not supposed to, you know, um, break the physical covenant they'd made with their other partner, their first partner that they came to the show with, but they could, right? And you hope they don't. Uh, it turns out one couple did, but here's the thing. They, they, they live with this other person for three weeks and they're supposed to learn, you know, what is it that they can bring into their, their real relationship that would be better. It was a really interesting show and I would recommend it to you guys. At first I was cringed out by it, but there's one person, the reason I even bring this up, there was one person on that show, actually there were a couple of people that seemed quite narcissistic, but there was one person who, um, she just couldn't imagine that there would be a guy who's not attracted to her, right? So she brings her boyfriend onto the show and, you know, she's, trying to remember she's the one I think she is she's the one that's demanding that they get married and she gave the ultimatum then she gets on this show and she just thinks like everybody's going to fall for me and she in fact says this at some point in the show that you know it gives you an insight to what she's really thinking she says something like you know when I first came onto this show I thought of course it would be nice that every guy just would want me and every guy would um, desire me and I'm thinking holy cow I don't think any guy desired her not one single guy desired her and so she gets she gets her eyes sets her eyes on this one other particular guy who seems rather narcissistic himself um, so she she goes to him and she flirts with him and the second time she comes to flirt with him, remember they have a week to get to know each other before they pick their second partner, their alternate partner to live with for three weeks. So the second time she comes to him and flirts with him, he's just flat out honest with her, which I think is admirable. I thought this is really good that he's letting her know, you know, don't waste your time with me. Uh, I don't see a future with you. And she's offended, of course, you know, and laughing and it's a nervous and awkward situation for her as it would be for anybody who's being told, you know, I'm sorry, I just don't really see a future with you. At which point you're like, oh, okay, thanks for being honest. And, you know, you move on if you have good self-esteem. And this is what I'm hoping for you guys. If you have good self-esteem, you would just simply be honest with yourself. And when someone is honest with you, don't take it as an insult. Just take it like, oh, okay, you know, then I don't waste my time with this person. I can move on. But what I'm seeing a lot of is people just get all ramped up. They become extra delusional. They become extra narcissistic. They start defending how attractive they are, which is exactly what this girl does. She's like, he's lot, you know, so when she's off camera or she's on camera, but uh, in a, an isolation room or whatever, where she's just talking with the producers and she says things like, I know I'm attractive. So he's just flat out lying. And she insists that there's no way he's telling her the truth, that there's some ulterior, ulterior uh, reason. And there can't, he can't possibly be unattracted to her, right? Can't possibly be that he, can't, he doesn't see a feature with her. Well, she comes to him a third time and demands an explanation. Why doesn't he see a feature with her? And she's insisting that he's lying somewhere in there. I'm like, okay, what are you trying to get out of this? What are you trying to get this guy to say? Oh, yeah, suddenly I do see a feature with you. You're right. I was just, you know, being a jerk and, and for some reason just uh, was putting you down for no reason, uh, actually. I mean, what what is she thinking this is how delusional she was. She, she just could not imagine that a guy wouldn't see a future with her. She thought she was just such a hot commodity that any guy on the street would want her. And I got to tell you guys, be careful when you are, um, maybe this is not the right audience to tell you to tell, but 
when you are in a relationship and it is hard um, because they're not living up to your expectations, take, take a little inventory for yourself and see if maybe you're also not living up to their expectations. Are you the best person or are you nagging? Are you responsible? Are you doing the things you say you're going to do or are you um, just sitting on the couch all the time playing games or, <clears throat> you know, missing paying the bills on time? Are you the be better person, you know, that they deserve? But are you the kind of person that your dream person deserves, right? This is something you want to ask yourself. So here she is. She's frustrated with this guy and she comes to him a third time demanding that he tell her why he said to her that he didn't see a future. You guys, I'm trying to figure out how to get my focus right. I don't know. Hopefully it focuses all right for you guys. I have no idea. Oh, maybe that's a little better. All right. So the third time she comes to him, demands her, you know, that he come clean. And he says to her, I just don't find you attractive. Holy cow, right? That, that, this is what I'm saying. When you're not real with yourself, when you're not grounded, that maybe not everybody is attracted to you, okay? When you're told the truth, you're going to be completely demolished. And, and you're going to fight back. You're going to become defensive. So she becomes defensive. She gets angry. She kind of walks off. And you just feel so bad for her. But she walks over to his current um, person that he's totally in love with. Like, he cannot see anybody besides the woman that he's in love with. I think she's he's the one who brought the ultimatum to his partner. And he's trying to convince his partner that, you know, there he just sees nobody else in his life but this girl. Well, this narcissistic woman, she walks over to his girl and tells her, you know, I wouldn't... You know, whatever reservations you have about him, listen to those. Whatever gut feeling you have, listen to those because I don't get a good feeling with him either. You know, so these narcissists, they cannot take reality. They cannot recognize that they're not the most gorgeous in the room. They're not the best person. They're, in fact, she wore way too much makeup and she was so skinny, she looked like a skeleton. To me, that's unattractive. I'm sorry. But some people, you know, it goes, there's extremes one way or the other, of course, right? One way, the other way is like, I don't care what I do to my body and how much I eat and how unhealthy I get and how sick I get. Uh, the other person's supposed to be attracted to me. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but then you have this other extreme where I don't even know if she works out, but she seems to be starving herself and she's stick skinny and she looks like a skeleton walking around, but she glops on all this makeup. And you're thinking, that's also really unattractive and a huge red flag, by the way. Tons of makeup is a huge red flag. And guys see this. Um, I don't know that guys suffer from this. Guys who wear makeup, I don't, I don't understand that. I really haven't run into that, but I assume there are some that are hetero. But they'll wear a bit of makeup because they want to accentuate stuff, I guess. I don't know. Don't do it. Don't give in to that. Natural is so much more gorgeous than all this makeup. Now, for a woman, if you need a little bit, you know, eyeliner, a little bit of lipstick just to brighten up your face, I get it. That's nice. But when you glop on tons of foundation and you think, oh, it looks so natural. By the way, it doesn't look natural. I don't care how good it looked when you were in your house slopping it on. It does not look natural in real light. It just doesn't. It looks plasticky. It might look kind of interesting because it covers certain blemishes. But everybody can tell. Everybody can tell that it's fake. And fake is a huge red flag for people. You don't. Anyway, I'll get into that in another yeah, later on. So back to the attractiveness. Sorry, I'm spending a lot of time on this, but this woman is so delusional in thinking that she's the most attractive person. And here's the other thing that they'll do. They'll compare themselves. They'll compare themselves to movie stars and consider themselves looking like a certain movie star, right? 
And I've had that happen with me where this guy, it happens with guys, by the way, who are narcissistic. And they'll think that they look like this really handsome movie star. And they'll even tell you, you know, don't I look like this guy? This guy's like my twin. And you're looking at him going, no, you look nothing like this guy at all. I don't see it. But you don't want to hurt his feelings, so you don't say anything. But if you were to say something, I think his reaction would be much like this woman's reaction. Like, how can you not think I'm the most gorgeous person in this room? Right? They, they just don't get it. They're in this delusion. Now, I think all the rest of us, we don't have that kind of delusion. If you do, you need to check yourself, okay? Because <laughs> you're not everybody's type. And it's okay not to be everybody's type. You only need to be your special person's type. That's it. Um, what's funny is my husband, uh, growing up, I don't think he was around because, you know, I'm, I'm a minority. I don't think he was around people like me and at his school in the town that he grew up in, uh, I know that there are not that many people like me <laughs> in that town. So I don't know. I don't think that he ever thought of my, who I am or how I look as his type. It never occurred to him that he would end up with somebody who looks like I do. But it's funny that your attractiveness is not just necessarily what's on the outside, it's what's on the inside. So when he first met me, um, we we got into really good conversations. We, we talked a lot about how we grew up. We talked a lot about the things we like, we don't like, our views on life, things like this. And he just never had that those kinds of conversations with women before. So he loved it. Uh, so I think there was this depth in our relationship that he gravitated to. Now, the I think the physical attraction came in not too far behind that. But I asked him later on when we were married, you know, years after we were married, I asked him, you know, when was the first time you knew you loved me? And he flat out said, within a week. Within a week, I knew I loved you. And I was like, wow, how, how did you know that? And he goes, because of your character, like what, what you talked about, what you did in your life, what, you know, how you were with me and how you were with other people. Anyway, so it doesn't matter if you're, you think that you're this person's type because of your outer beauty. Um, what really draws a person together with another person is that heart connection, right? That wow, I'm just so attracted to what's inside of this person, what, how they want to live their life. So work on that. Instead of slopping too much makeup on, instead of staring at the mirror for too long, work on the internal. Work on what kind of person you want to be, what's important to you, what's beautiful to you. And, and don't be a negative person. Now, I also know people who are like very passionate about certain things. But they're so negative. You don't even want to be around them because they're negative and critical of other people. So it's sort of like, uh, that's not attractive. Yeah, your passion is intriguing, but then you're putting everybody who doesn't agree with you down, right? You don't see the worth of other people who don't have the same viewpoints that you have. So that's also not attractive. Anyway, you guys, I'm kind of getting off of that. Just hoping that this will help you. To, to look at what's important and attract the kind of person you want to attract. I'm watching these other um, creators who, I don't want to say they're mocking other people, single people, divorced people, whoever is, you know, back in the dating scene. And the way those people are, are shocked at how horrible dating is nowadays, right? And they have certain expectations. And I think a lot of these people who are back on the dating scene because they're the ones who divorced or broke up with their partner, they just assumed that, of course, everybody's going to want me. Of course, everybody's going to think I'm gorgeous. Of course, I'm everybody's type because I'm a chameleon, right? I think these people are so deluded. That's that narcissistic delusion that everybody, or most people, I think, can see a mile away. So when they go on a date, their date drops them. Their date is like... No, you're not worth it. I, I just watched a video just a few minutes ago where this girl was recording her date, her first date, 
And at the end of the date, she's recording him and she asks him, is there going to be a second date? And he's like, oh, heck no. People know when you have not just baggage, but when you're psycho, okay? <laughs> they know when you are so broken that you're either a narcissist or you are narcissistic and they don't want to deal with that. So instead of living in this delusion, um, echo chamber with other people who are just like you, struggling exactly the way you are, glopping on a ton of makeup, staring at the mirror all the time at themselves, and then telling you how gorgeous you are or how hot you are. Any woman would want you, you know, because you're, you've got muscles or whatever. Um, yeah, for men, it's not attractive just to have muscles and no brains, right? It just isn't. So there are some guys out there who are, okay, you know, you look at them, they're nice, and really they only belong on a magazine, in, in a magazine. And that's about all you really want to have any interaction with these guys. Because when you talk to them, there's nothing there. There's no depth. There's no understanding. Their education is rather limited. You know, uh, I think of some people who, oh, I'm going to talk about this, by the way, you guys. The attractiveness, it fades. So this is what happens to the narcissist who, as they get older, you know, in their 20s, maybe they were, you know, maybe even high school, like everybody wanted them. They were so popular. Maybe in their 20s, you know, people were flocking to them and just, you know, they had a date almost every night. They just, everybody was just wanting them so badly. And even if they were taken, they were still getting hit on by, by everybody every time they go out. So through their 20s, they're like, oh, yeah. And then in their 30s, okay, they still look good. And they think, I'm going to hold on to this forever, obviously. And the people, the person I'm with doesn't deserve me because I am like the top 1%. And then in their 40s, they start to fade a little bit. They got to work on a few things. They're, the attractiveness is, doesn't come naturally anymore. Suddenly now they're... They're doing even more to make themselves look young. They're trying really hard to hold on to that youth. And they're proud of it, too. They they get obsessed with selfies. They get up, you know, and I'm not saying that wait you have to wait till you're in your 40s to get obsessed because I know plenty of people in their 20s who are totally obsessed with selfies. And they glop on the makeup even though they're in their 20s and they would look wonderful without all that on their face. They feel like... I don't know what it is, but they see imperfections. They are so focused. It's like Narcissus, the actual story of, of Narcissus, I think is a Greek mythology or something where he thought he was so handsome, he stared into a pool of water and he couldn't take his eyes off of himself. And eventually he died of starvation because he couldn't take his eyes off of himself. I feel like those who are deluded about how attractive they are. I mean, you can be attractive. I've seen like incredible supermodels, right? But when they get into their 50s, guess what? They don't look like they did in their 20s. They just absolutely do not. And it's okay. Once you embrace that life, it takes its toll, right? And it's okay. You can be this still beautiful. You can still be handsome, but you're going to be an old handsome. You're going to be an old beautiful, and that's fine. But you don't want to be a cringy old or cringy, um, well, that's it, really, cringy old for a male or a female. You want to stay away from that. And those who are trying too hard to look like they're in their 20s, you do not look in your 20s, by the way. No 50-year-old looks like she is 20 years old. Um, no 50-year-old guy looks like he's 20 years old. Yeah. Maybe on film, maybe with a filter, maybe in a selfie, they can get the right angle and the right lighting that makes them look good. But in real life, no way. No way at all. Now, natural beauty people, this is the awesome thing about it. I've met people who don't wear any makeup and they look young. They look 10 to 15 years younger than they really are. And they might, they might not be striking gorgeous, right? Because they're features are not accentuated, but they look young. They look nice. They look attractive. And that's what you should go for. Okay, you guys, moving on from that, as your beauty fades or as the narcissist's beauty and handsomeness fades, 
they're going to go even more, they're going to get more and more drastic about trying to hang on to that beauty. And they get even more self-focused. So who wants to be, who wants to be stuck with somebody who's completely self-focused, right? That is not a good partner, by the way. Uh, wow, okay. Obi's just telling me some stuff here. Ah, jeez, Obi. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking, um, I noticed that too. Sometimes uh, people hide behind that mask. I hated that mask, by the way. That's total BS, wearing it. Uh, had to kick one. Oh, jeez. Obi. Oh, jeez. I don't know where you're finding all these people, so beware of where you go to find these people as well. Um, be the kind of person that you want your dream person to want, but you're going to have to be at the places where your dream person would be. So, where am I now? Just talking about attractiveness, but here's the thing. There's another delusion. There are a couple other delusions I want to talk about. One is the, the second one is the, the delusion of intelligence, right? They, they're, the narcissist always believes that they're the smartest or one of the top smartest in the room. So when they go to a, um, a conference or something like that to listen, and there's a speaker, they always think that, oh, I can do that speaker's job. I'm just as smart as that speaker. I, I, I'm just as charming and funny and good, and I can deliver speeches as well as that speaker. They always compare themselves to the speaker as if like, oh, it takes nothing to do what that speaker is doing. What they don't understand is those people at the conferences, what they speak about is not everything they know. They're actually only delivering maybe, maybe 10% of what they know. That's why it comes so easily for them because this is just 10% of what I know. And I'm not going to, I don't have the time or you don't have the patience to listen to 100% of everything I know. Right, this is the speaker at the conference I'm talking about. So they deliver the highlights, they deliver the important points to help the people at the conference with whatever the topic is. But know that they're only delivering 10%. Can you imagine that? Like as amazing as a speaker might be, as, as in-depth and just incredible their, their content is, that's just 10%. That's just 10% of what they know. They have spent years to becoming the expert that they are, or they have spent so much time studying the topic that they have books and books and, and professors and experts that they've listened to for hours. And, you know, um, I remember there was a video or, or a story. Oh, what was his name? It was a basketball star. Oh, I forgot his last name. But it was about, he, it was a long time ago. I think this movie might have been made back in the 80s. And oh, yeah, he was the top paid athlete. It was the first time an athlete was paid a million dollars. And so this guy, he said he was just obsessed with basketball growing up, right? He's a white guy. And when he was younger, he would just, he would even sleep with the basketball. <laughs> He'd sleep holding the basketball. And he said he dribbled for probably at least 10,000 hours before he became a professional. Before he became a professional. And that was kind of his mark. And in, the, in the, his story, he talked about that. Anything you can do for 10,000 hours, you will become an expert of. And you think about it, that. How much would it take? How many years is 10,000 hours you know, of awake, conscious time? He said he would even, when they were driving, of course, not fast in, in the neighborhood, he would dribble the basketball outside the his car window. <laughs> He's in the passenger seat, of course, when he was a kid. And so he, he just learned. He learned everything about that basketball, how it moved, how it felt in his hand. What, you know, it was just automatic, his body reacting to this basketball. So when he played, he just had so much more talent than anybody else because nobody spent that amount of time with a basketball as he has and it's the same thing when narcissists see an expert they just assume they can be just as good as that expert 
after spending hardly any time learning anything. They think that they can open one book, learn about that book, and now they're the expert. Or they can watch a couple of videos, how-to videos, and now they're the expert. And I'm like, wow, no, you can regurgitate a few bits of information, but when it comes down to the entire aspect of that subject, you're not going to be able to get to the nitty gritty. You're not going to be able to give people great advice because everything you're saying is everything that you know. That's it. You're just regurgitating everything you know. Whereas the expert is only speaking about 10% of what they know. It's incredible, you guys. So uh, the delusion that a narcissist has also is that they're always right. So uh, stepping away from book knowledge or content knowledge, they just always think that their way is the right way. The way to drive is the right, their way to drive is the right way. Their way to uh, clean dishes is the right way. Their way to um, set up the bathroom counter is the right way. <laughs> their, their decorating sense is the right way. You know, everything is to them is the right way, the way that they're doing it. Now, in comes a partner, in comes a new supply. And there's no way that new supply could possibly be as good as they they are, right? They're, they're not going to accept it. The new supply wants to use different kinds of towels. No, 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 no. You're not allowed to do that because these are the best towels. Uh, the new supply likes to cook their eggs a certain way. No, 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 no. That's not the best way to eat eggs. You know, you got to eat them this way. So this is how you know that the new supply is going through trauma and being manipulated and controlled much like the way you were when you were with the narcissist. The narcissist always thinks that their way is the best way. So therefore the only way to do things and they will make anybody else miserable. Now there are supply out there that can accommodate that for a while, right? That don't care. They're like, Oh, I don't care. I don't care if they, the narcissist wants to decorate this way. I don't care if the narcissist wants to cook and clean this way. I don't care. But what will end up happening? is the narcissist will then start to become critical of the new supply. will start to become critical of their friends and family and everybody around them who doesn't do things exactly the way they do it. Because in their mind, they're like, obviously, this is the most efficient way or this is the most aesthetically beautiful way to set things up. This is like, okay, even looking at how I've set up this little scene here, a narcissist might prefer, oh, obviously, I've had this happen with a narcissist in my life, by the way. I remember this. Like, I'll set up something, and I, I'm, I'm like, okay, that looks good. I'm happy. The narcissist might go, but you can't see the vase. You can't see the vase the flower is in. So the way you've got it set up here is not aesthetically proper or perfect. Or I don't know why they think they're the expert in everything. Who the heck knows? They cannot see, you know, they cannot, the narcissist cannot be, a free thinker, free living, happy type of um, hippie. <laughs> I'll just say right there. Like, I really appreciate the free flowing type of person. Not all the time because they're annoying as well, okay? <laughs> Where they don't, they're not responsible and they don't do things that need to get done and, um, I don't agree with every way they see life, but I do appreciate that things don't bug them. I appreciate that they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just enjoy it. And this is pretty. But even they get uptight when certain things don't match up for them. Anyway, so the point is narcissists will then become critical and will make life miserable for the new supply. And they may have found like the best new supply ever, the best, the new supply that will accommodate everything for them, uh, allow them to take charge, allow them to, to change their entire life, you know, uh, move where the narcissist wants to move, live in the kind of house the narcissist wants, um, have the kind of pet, you know, what if the new, the new supply likes dogs, but the narcissist likes cats? They're not going to have any dogs. They're going to have only have cats. You know, that's the way it's going to be. Um, so the new supply is willing to bend because they're kind of free flowing and they're allowing this. But it will get to the point where the narcissist will start picking, 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 picking at the new supply. Suddenly, the thing that the narcissist loved about the new supply being 
um, accepting, you know, and accommodating to the narcissist, suddenly that will become uh, a bad thing to the narcissist. They don't like that this person doesn't have an opinion. They don't like that this person doesn't uh, fight for uh, a different way of doing things. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, you, you just can never appease and satisfy a narcissist because their their goals and their um, what do you call it? They're always moving the line, right? They're always moving the goal, and you can never reach that goal with them because nothing can keep them happy. So their delusion of intelligence overflows to their opinions. Right? So they feel like their opinion has got to be the best opinion, has got to be the only opinion, has got to be the right opinion. I was with this couple. Um, they're older, they're retired, and I was hanging out with them at their house when they received a big old package. It was a build-it-yourself, I think it was a coffee table. So it had a lot of parts for a coffee table, interestingly <laughs> enough. Um, I guess because it had legs, but then it had an intricate pattern that attached the legs to each other you know between the legs and all that so and then it had tons of nuts and bolts and pieces like that so the wife since she's the one who ordered this she opens up the package and she just starts uh unpacking it on the floor in the, the living room there and the husband he's like he's more of a planner he wants to like first of all move things to a certain area see where he's going to set it up then um, have an area for setting up and having an area to keep all the pieces in, in, in different in a different order than his wife was putting them out. So funny funny thing was I think I turns out I think a lot more like the way the husband does the way he would have organized it, and I was thinking yeah his way is right <laughs> you know, um, but she's laying it out and he he's starting to make interjections you know comments about. Well, don't you want to put this over here? Why don't you keep those screws over there? Why don't you move the legs together? You know, the legs should be in the same area. You know, all the similar parts should be in the same area. And to her, she's like, no, I'm laying it out the way it'll eventually come together. So the different nuts and bolts will go to different areas, depending on where the legs are going to be, depending on where the lattice part's going to be. Um, so she's just laying it out as if it's a map. He's laying it out like, okay, here's section one, here's section two, here's section three, and you put them all to, you know, anyway. So when you need uh, part A, you just go to that one section and then you know that's where part A is. Anyway, as she's laying it out, he's starting to get a little bit irritated, but not badly. You know, he's just like, hey, why don't you do it this way? And she's like, well, because I want to do it my way. And then she says to him, I thought, something that was really good. She says, you know, there's no right way to do this. There are multiple different ways to do this. And then there was another friend that was there with us. And that other friend saw things the way she did and thought that the way she was laying it out was good. She, she preferred it that way. And she piped up and she says, yeah, you know, um, eventually it's just going to get made anyway, right? So the person who's working on it, let them do it. I'm like, exactly, exactly. It doesn't matter what the onlookers think it doesn't matter the people who are not affected by this who are not in the game who are not um have no skin in it right they but they have their opinions the narcissist always has his opinion and then or her opinion and then criticizes the people who are involved in the game involved in life involved in the actions uh and they'll criticize to the point where they're just now, instead of being a cheerleader, they're just a grump. <laughs> and it's annoying to have them around in your life. So here they are. They just cannot understand that somebody would not follow their instructions, which they think is the best way to do it. And even after the coffee table is built, um, they would still think it would be irksome to them that the person who built the coffee table or put it together didn't do it their way. They won't be able to see like, oh, the coffee table looks great. It's all put together. I didn't have to lift a finger. This other person, my partner, did it all. And even if I thought it took, you know, 15 minutes longer than it would have taken me, um, that's fine because she did it at the pace that she liked to do it. 
No, narcissists will look at it and think, well, I could have done it faster. I would have had it together long before you had it together. They just can't appreciate and enjoy the outcome. Right? They have to be controlling of others around them because they just think that they're the smartest person. When you're around somebody like that, it's, it's oppressive, right? You feel like, gosh, I can't be myself. I can't be this happy, flowing, enjoying type of person because I have this other person who's criticizing every way I do things. The way I dry the dishes isn't good enough. The way I fold the towels isn't good enough. Um, you know, it gets to a point where the narcissist just wants control because they think that they're the smartest person. And if everybody would just live the way they live, if everybody would just drive the way they drive, if everybody would just clean the way they clean or work the way they work or manage the way they manage, you know, they're different managing styles too, right? And they're definitely, uh, you have to change your managing style depending on who's receiving it. Who are you managing, right? Because different people receive different styles, um, are able to respond positively to different styles. Some people prefer a direct method. Oh, I was talking to somebody recently about this who at first was uh, upset because somebody wasn't flat out. Um, oh no, what did she say? She was saying that you don't have to be um, direct and truthful with someone. It's better if you just lied to them. Um, oh no, wait a minute. Was the opposite. She's like, no, it's better if you just flat out tell them the truth, no matter how harsh it is. You gotta, you gotta be just upfront with them. No, no lying is good. And I was like, well, I don't know about that, because some people, when they ask you, you know, do you like this purse? Because they like the purse, right? Um, or do you like this shirt? Because they like the shirt. What good is it for you to say, I hate that shirt? Because it's just your opinion, right? Maybe there's. You can just say, oh, I don't know. I can see positives, you know, focus on the positive things that they like about it. And that's fine. And then they're happy and they're wearing this shirt that makes them feel good about themselves. They think they look good in it. They do look good in it. It's just not your style. That's all. You don't have to tell them the hard, honest truth that you would never be caught dead wearing that shirt because it's not your style, doesn't fit your body type, doesn't look good on you. But it looks good on them. So just compliment it, right? <laughs> anyway, so I mentioned this to her, this woman I was having this conversation with, and then she realized like, you know what? She does have two children who are opposite in the way they receive information. One of them wants to have the hard, honest truth as far in advance as possible. The other one needs to be eased into what, what they need to do, right? They need to have some explanation of why it's important to do something. They need to have all their questions answered. They need to have, um, you know, a calm. And you don't want to let them know until closer to the event. <laughs> she was using going to the dentist as an example. You know, one of them needs to know as far in advance as possible that they're going to the dentist and what to expect and how, how to get, you know, what what's going to happen once they get to the dentist. The other one needs to not know that she's even going to have a dentist appointment until they're headed to the dentist. And then she's like, what? Oh, okay. And so she doesn't have the time or, or to freak out and get anxious about it. And then it happens and then she's done and she's fine. So there's not one style, right? One way of doing things that's absolutely the right way. It just depends on who you're with. Okay, so that's the intelligence one. Another delusion that narcissists have that we have to be careful of as well is the delusion of importance. Now, we're caught in society in a culture right now that makes that has been feeding us, you're special, there's no one like you, one in a what, seven billion, I guess now we have seven and a half billion. There's only one of you in seven and a half billion. Well, have you guys heard of doppelgangers? That's somebody who looks exactly like you, even sounds like you. This is the funny thing. I've had people tell me when I started this channel, oh my gosh, you're this person, aren't you? You, you know, because everybody wants to try to figure out who I am. I try to stay anonymous if you guys don't know, because 
of narcissists who are still in my life and I don't want them to feel like identified. Um, but here's the thing. People have contacted me on here in the chats and saying, oh my gosh, you must be this person. Aren't you this person? Isn't this your name? And I'm like, no, that's not. Oh, you sound just like this person. It is you. It's got to be you. I'm like, okay, but it's not me. Um, I've also met people's doppelgangers in the exact same place, which is incredible. Okay. I was at a conference in Vegas and it was, gosh, how many thousands of people were like, I want to say there were probably 30,000 reps there. I mean, there was a lot of people and um, maybe more than 30,000. It was huge. They had essentially a giant concert. They had stars come in to entertain us. They had, oh, just, it was a huge ordeal for a week. So I go there and one day I'm standing in line in front of one of the cafes, you know, type of bar type windows to, to order a quick sandwich, breakfast sandwich to, to go into the conference. And I'm standing there and I see this woman standing right in front of me and she looks exactly, I'm not kidding you, exactly like a woman that came in our little group. We had a group of maybe, I want to say 20 people. And in that group, the, the second, well, whatever position she is in our group, she, um, everybody knew her. She was not one of the new ones. She was one of the older people who've been there. So older as in length of time. She was actually younger than I was. I think she was in her late 20s. So she, they looked exactly alike. In fact, I thought it was her. And I was going to say, like, good morning to her, right? But then um, right before I did, I was I turned around to talk to a friend, a friend that was right next to me. And um, when I turned over to, to look at her, I saw the actual woman, like, a few feet behind us in line. And I was like, wait a minute, which one is which? And so I pointed to my friend and told her, oh, my gosh, look at these two. They look identical. And she was like, oh my gosh, they do. It was like the same height, the same weight, the same um, hairdo. It just was mind boggling to me. This person could have been her absolute twin. Sadly enough, the other person went through the line and I did, you know, we lost track of her and we never got the two of them to talk to each other. But here's the thing. Narcissists believe that there is one in seven and a half billion and they're the only one there is um and nobody's like them there's so many people like them my husband likes to say of people who um wear the same clothing which is maybe not the the contemporary i mean sorry let me say this not the conservative established maybe normal if you want to use that word i don't know you would say normal but uh, conservative type of dressing, right? The way they dress. Instead, they like to be outlandish and they like to wear exotic or bizarre things or do bizarre things to their skin or piercings or whatever. He says, I forget how he puts it, like uh, you're trying to stand apart by doing exactly the same thing as others. Like, wow, this is true. Because you look around and you're like, remember when tattoos were different? Like you'd have a tattoo. It's like, wow, very, very few people actually had a ta had tattoos. Probably like 1% of, of the friends I had ever had tattoos. Now it's sort of like, I want to say probably 70% of my friends have tattoos, maybe more. Let me think. Probably 75, 80% of my friends have tattoos. So I'm like, the thing that they thought set them apart no longer sets them apart. It's exactly, they're, they're exactly the same. But then they're like, oh, but the tattoos are different. I'm like, okay, whatever, <laughs> you know. And they mean different things, and that's good. You know, I, I, I can't appreciate that tattoos have meaning to it. I'm just not a tattoo person. So when narcissists think that they're the only one, and it's kind of funny because when you meet narcissists, you're like, wow, they act the same. They have the same behavior. They have the same thought pattern. They they annoy and abuse people in the same way and yet they think they're so different they think that they're what is it um 
they're, they're original, right? Like you're originally being exactly the same as all these other original people, I guess. So it's, it's kind of amusing to me. But they love to think that they're so important, so different, that if they weren't there, people would miss them. And the, bo the bottom line is, if they have a lot of money, and I've noticed this too, they're narcissists that have a lot of money, and people are drawn to that, right? Uh, their fan club tends to be leeches, or tends to be people who place a lot of value on how much money or how big their house or how much their car cost. And so they will gather around this narcissist and the narcissist will feel important because they get all this attention when re in reality, it's their money that's getting the attention. What happens when that money dries up, right? Same thing as the beauty. What happens when the beauty, uh, their appearance dries up and they get old? The, the fan club starts to dissipate. The fan club will disappear and the narcissist world start to crumble and they won't understand like wait a minute they, they'll still think but i'm the important one it wasn't my money that's important it was me I, i'm the important one so oh wow obi thank you so much so i'll read this to you guys in a little bit but i just wanted to say that when you think that people cannot live without you Think about that and see, you know, is that true? Is it healthy that they can't live without you? Or is that, it's better not that they can live, can't live without you. It would be better if they just want you to be a part of their life. You know, they choose to have you as a part of their life because you, you make their life better, right? You, you make them better. When I look at my husband, I feel exactly like that. Like there was a time I took him for granted. I think everybody takes people for granted sometimes. And even my husband, as amazing as he is, I felt taken for granted at times. Not that he meant to make me feel that way, but I felt like, you know, he doesn't appreciate this or that about me. Um, but he did. He, he just didn't show it. <laughs> he didn't show it the way I needed him to show it. So as we get better at communication, we're able to show each other how much we appreciate one another. And that feeds us. It feeds our ego, but it also feeds our heart. It feeds our um, relationship. So there was a time when I didn't appreciate my husband um, or treated him in a way that I appreciated him, showed him that I appreciated him, right? Life gets busy. You get bogged down. You get irritated at stuff happening at work, whatever, you know, or relationships in your life. And the other person's trying to help you but you're so focused on the, the problem that you don't see that this other person is trying to be a help. So you don't treat them well um, or you don't appreciate their help, right? You kind of shut them out or ignore them and just stay focused on the problem at hand. But now I'm more intentional. Now I stop and I look at him and I think, wow, how lucky am I that I have this guy in my life, that I have this man who is so intelligent who's so sweet, who's so kind, who's so handsome, you know, I, I just, there's so many good things about him. And maybe he's not somebody else's type, which is, hey, that's fine with me, because he is totally my type. And, you know, we, we went out on a date last night, and we were having this talk, and he was saying the same thing back to me. He's like, well, I feel exactly the same way about you. I was like, wow, you know, so the thing is, you want to appreciate the person that you're with and you want to be the kind of person that another person wants in their life. Not that they need you in their life, but that they want you in their life. So that's, that to me is a higher goal, is a higher achievement than thinking that you're important to somebody because they need you, because they need your money to help them live, right? The, the leeches that are around rich people are there because they need the rich person to supplement their life. Otherwise, they'd be on the street, literally. They would, they would be homeless. Um, so they suck up to the relative that has the most money. They're nicest to the relative that's, that's got you know, the nice car. They're, they're turned on by the people who, who, on the outside, look rich and good. And I'm like, 
it's not that you want that person in your life. It's that you want their things in your life. So don't become like the narcissist that will be surrounded by people who just want their things, right? Who just want what they can do for the fan club. So I'm going to come back here. Thank you so much, Obi. And good morning, Tina. Good to see you here. So Obi says, um, or good afternoon. What, what time are we? Oh, yes, I forgot. It's the afternoon. Um, says, I won't lie, your channel and somebody else's tutors helped me heal the most and wish I could thank you for everything this channel has done for my life. I thought I was alone. Thanks. Oh, wow. Had a midlife crisis and got, and got a tattoo recently. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That happens. That happens. People have midlife crises. It's true. Um, I think you have different stages of midlife crises. I think there's one that happens at, in your 30s. And there's one that happens in your 40s. <laughs> there's one that probably happens in your 50s. Probably happens in your 60s. I would imagine. Anyway, there are certain stops in milestones in life where you stop and you reassess you know is this where I want to be is have I done the things I want to do especially if your health starts to get worse but improve yourself get healthier this I love seeing the stories where people changed their life um where is it Agatha Christie I have a friend who's a writer which is really awesome and she started writing I mean she started writing a long time ago and she's one of these people who I think others might look at and go, oh, I could do that. I could write this. And I'm thinking, no, I know her background. She has spent decades going to author conferences, learning from the best authors, learning from authors who may not be really well known, but their books are really well known. You know, they, they've been super successful and they give tips on how to do things, how to write things how to get inspired. There's so much that goes into writing. It is incredible. Um, how to do the kind of research you need to do. How you know, It's a lot of how-tos. So she has spent decades because this is her passion. She loves doing this. She gets into these hobbies. By the way, is one of the things I wanted to talk about too. Oh, where did I have this? Um, as you get older, oh yes, there's, the, oh gosh, we're running out of time. Let me see if I can squeeze this in. Um, why was I talking about her? Oh yeah, Agatha Christie. I learned from her that Agatha Christie didn't even start writing until she was uh, 70s, in her 70s? I don't even remember now. But she was quite old, uh, maybe in her 60s, I don't know. So she didn't even start writing till then, which I think is kind of more like my friend. She probably has always written, has always enjoyed writing, but she didn't actually get published or look, look into getting published until she was in her 60s. So same thing with my friend. She's in her 60s and she started getting published. I think she may have had small publishings before that, but she decided, look, I'm going to just start writing the kind of books I love to read. So she started writing these um, murder mysteries, but cozy, cozy murder mysteries. I love it. Love it. Love it. You guys, um, I would recommend her actually look her up. Her name is Vicki Walton. So W-A-L-T-O-N, V-I-K-K-I. She started writing and she's got, oh my gosh, I want to say she's probably got like 13, 14 books out there now. Something like that. She's, she's got to have quite a few. And um, they're good. They're good books. It doesn't matter how old you are. Start something, right? Start looking into your hobbies. Start looking into what drives you. What um, lights a fire under you. And don't give up. Just keep moving. This is my advice. So this goes really well into what I was going to tell you. When you get older and the beauty fades, if the money should dry up and your friends start to disappear, and you feel like you're alone, what can you do, right? Start taking on a different role. Start expanding into another area. Start exploring something you've always wanted to try. There's this guy I met last night. It was so cool. Um, went to a mushroom society, mycological society meeting. And there's this guy that, actually he's a comedian. This is hilarious. This guy's a comedian. He started doing stand-up comedy right before COVID hit, right? All the shutdowns happened. And he was going in, getting into clubs and starting to do pretty well. And then all the shutdowns happened. So now he's locked up <laughs> in his house. 
and not able to go out because all the clubs are closed for months, actually. I think they were closed for a good six months, if not longer. And um, turns out his girlfriend really likes mushrooms. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll look into growing mushrooms. So he starts to grow mushrooms in his house. He, he buys a tent because you have to keep, I guess, the area moist, keep it humid. And he, he picks up this Bible of mushroom growing, actually. I forget what it's called now. But it has, like, growing mushrooms and medicinal uses for mushrooms, something like that. He, he gets this book that's got to be an inch and a half to two inches thick. And he reads this thing cover to cover. He starts growing these mushrooms. Guess what? He just, in, within a year, he has now expanded to a little shop. But then he just recently bought a warehouse. Not bought, sorry. He's leasing a warehouse. He is supplying mushrooms to high-scale, upscale restaurants in our town. So I'm just like, wow, this is so cool. Something never expected, right? Something, it just was like, oh, well, this is interesting to me. And he just poured himself into it for an entire year. Now, he said he worked seven days a week. Um, he was doing mushrooms, learning about mushrooms, exploring, you know, joining groups. Just, it was... So, so you may not need the um, years or decades of experience, right, that my writer friends have. There could be something that's just interesting to you. And if you pour yourself into it, suddenly you become the expert. And funny enough, even though I think there are other mushroom people around, they just didn't, they didn't do as much as he did, right? They, they probably had a full-time job. But, she, but he didn't. <laughs> he didn't have a full-time job. He made this his full-time job. Uh, morning, noon, and night. And he took care of these mushrooms and he learned everything he could about them. And now he has this thriving business doing mushrooms. And it's been, I guess, maybe a year, year and a half. That's amazing. That's amazing to me. And so this is the hope, you guys. This is the good news. Doesn't matter if you're getting older, doesn't matter if you lost all your opportunities, your money and things that you thought you were headed towards, you know, doesn't matter if you thought you were going to have this singing career and, and people now have told you you have a horrible voice. Um, doesn't matter because there are other things that you have interests in. Explore those. Explore those other interests. Doesn't matter if your beauty has faded because uh, for like this guy, mushrooms don't care how beautiful you are. <laughs> Oh my gosh, he brought his mushrooms to the meeting and they were amazing. They they were gorgeous. I'm not and I never thought I'd like mushrooms like this, but the ones he grew are just stunning. Stunning beautiful mushrooms. Anyway, so that's another area I'm getting into, you guys. Um and plants. I have so many plants. I am growing plants like crazy. I may have to start a channel about plants and how to grow. I mean, and I don't have the background like some of these people have on uh on YouTube, some of the people I follow, they are amazing with plants. But I have a little bit of knowledge. I probably have like one-tenth the knowledge they have. But I enjoy it. So the more you enjoy things, the more you're going to pour yourself into it. And the more you're going to be motivated to learn about it. Do that for yourself. If it's exercising, do that. I know people who, who've become experts at, at exercise and nutrition. And so now that's what they do. So, you guys... Narcissists, their world will crumble because they're focused on themselves. They're focused on uh, how other people see them. They're focused on being fed um, attention by other people. And, and usually based on things that fade, based on things that they don't even currently now live up to, like intellectual uh, whatever, stardom, <laughs> if you want to say. Um, they may not be the most intelligent, and yet they want to think that they are. And then they'll meet people who are far more intelligent than them, and they'll realize, wow, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. And so even their view of how intelligent they are will fade, and their world will start to crumble. Um, even those who, who, for now, feel like you know they have money, so people around them need their money. And so if there's this economic crash that's about to happen, 
even that will fade, you guys. There will not be enough money to to sustain their harem or sustain their fan club. Their world implodes. Your world will not implode because you're here. You're learning. You're becoming a better person. You're going to have a strong foundation. And that's what I'm excited for you guys. So thank you so much for coming. I'm a little bit over time. And next time I do hope that you guys hop on. I'm sorry that, I don't know, for whatever reason, people might feel a little, you know, and I can understand that. It's okay that you sit back and listen and learn. Um, would you watch my other videos? And would you give me a thumbs up? Uh, give me comments in the comment section once this video uploads. Share the video, subscribe, and watch a commercial once in a while. That really helps this channel. I've, um, it's a simple and easy thing. Just let it run. You don't have to actually watch it. Just let it run. <laughs> Walk away. Take a bathroom break the way we used to when commercials ran, right? So thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, catch this from the beginning if you want. I'm going to try to do a shortened version of this today so that you don't have to listen to an entire hour to get the point. So blessings to you. Look for that shortened version, the happy crappy recap, and I will see you guys next week.